Turn up the champagne, pop It's my house, come on, turn it up uh. Hear a knock on the door and the night begins Cause we've done this before, so you come on in Make yourself at my home, tell me where you been Pour yourself something cold, baby, cheers to this Sometimes you gotta stay in And you know where I live Yeah, you know what we is Sometimes you gotta stay in, in. Welcome to my house Baby, take control now We can't even slow down We don't have to go a while Welcome to my house Play that music too loud Show me what you do now We don't have to go Welcome to my house Welcome to my house Morning comes and you know that you wanna stay Close the blinds, let's pretend that the time has changed Keep our clothes on the floor, open up champagne Let's continue tonight, come on, celebrate Sometimes you gotta stay in And you know where I live Yeah, you know what we is Sometimes you gotta stay in Hey, Mike This is Trying Talk It's Tuesday, May the 18th, and I'm Donald Wayne Nah, I'm Dennis Lee Howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome to our house. <laughs> yeah, no song request tonight, Mike. <laughs> no song. Uh, yeah, you know. The I DJ did that, did, did that is Saturday, on strike. I think that's what he's referring to. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah DJ's on strike. Although, you know, we, we, we could probably find us one. Yeah. Somebody to do some spinning. And grinning, spinning and grinning. Yeah, uh, that's possible. That's possible. Well, howdy, howdy. It's uh, Tuesday afternoon. Afternoon. Hey, Jess Duck. <laughs> hey, BP. I feel like it's afternoon. Hey, Jess, BP. Um, it's Tuesday night, right? I don't know. It's all starting I think to. It is. It's all starting to bleed together just a little bit for me, but it's. Been a good one, a day yeah. of good news here and there, and events and so forth, and events. A bunch of what? Of course, we're not going to talk about any of that. We're just going to talk about the bad stuff tonight, right? Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Give everybody a little ray of hope. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, tomorrow night we get to cut up and and be goofy and try not to talk about anything serious, but. Have a few serious things to talk about tonight. I mean, it's it's serious, but then do you ever get the feeling that uh, there's not many people in in the <laughs> in the federal government that really have a lot of common sense? Uh, yeah, I, I get that. I get that. I mean, when some things that come out of their mouth or some things that they support, it just like really. You know, you have a lot more experience in this uh, at that than I do, or I don't have any actually. Uh, but the crazy things that they do and support, it just, 
I got a couple of stories tonight that I just can't believe uh, that people actually support stuff like that. So, you know, and we pay them a lot of money and they have a lot of benefits. Right. Exactly. Is that is that called using your money wisely? I don't know. Our investment hasn't turned out too well here lately. But I guess that depends on your perspective. Yeah, it sure does. What what you're looking for and, you know, whether you're happy with the way, the direction things are going. Exactly. And how much you invested. Well, let's see. It's going to change without you doing something. Yeah, well, you know, picket lines, letter writing campaigns, (laughs) rallies. I haven't, you know, I haven't heard of any rallies being scheduled. You would think that some of that would be kicking off. Maybe just because the, you know, the mask mandate is, is being lifted and maybe people are starting to feel like they can, you know, do that stuff more freely now. So hopefully there'll be some stuff over the summer to uh, show their displeasure with the, the directions of things for the last few months. Right. Maybe. One could hope. Maybe. Hey, Eric. Well. Howdy, Eric. So. Hey, little, little, look at the fiddle. What in the world inspired you to do that? I don't know. You've got something on, or it's almost like somebody goosed you and you. (laughs) Somebody. Do you have company there, Dennis Lee? What happened? Well, who did this to me? You have an assistant in the room, Dennis Lee? Uh, somebody's tickling me. Um, <laughs> George isn't happy. George is angry. Oh. Well, any anything, any uplifting news from you that we can use before i start on the gloom and no, doom road I mean, it was a relatively good day um no one was injured that i'm aware of that i know personally anyway uh, i didn't choke anybody out um you know, hmm. I, weather was fairly decent i feel like it was a good day <laughs> you didn't have to uh, draw down on anybody or nothing right no no draw down Snap up and none of it. So, <laughs> have you had to buy gas yet? I did today. I did yeah. today. And God bless uh, the racetrack in Douglasville. They had plenty of gasoline. I mean, I just crammed it in there and filled it to the brim. I think I even dropped a few drops on the uh, tires. I was trying to put the nozzle back in. It's a little hole there. So. I did. Did uh, was there a big increase uh, in the price? They say it's gone up about a dollar since uh, yeah, it's January. It's three, three bucks a gallon. Yeah, three bucks a gallon. I actually took a picture of a BP station I was in in January, uh, just because I knew that gas was probably going to go up for a number of reasons, and uh, I just wanted something to gauge. I'll probably post that. After gas hits four dollars a gallon, I'll I'll post that one day on our Facebook page just to remind people where we were before this new administration came in. <laughs> just a just a little tickling reminder. Right. See what exactly. you voted for. 
exactly. This is what you get. Yeah, we're not paying enough for gasoline. We've got to pay more than this. It's not fair. Um, Anytime, sweet. We we always enjoy having new new listeners in here. We try to be accommodating. Uh, we keep the mess cleaned up as much as we can. And there's uh, drinks over in the refreshment room. So help yourself. <laughs> yeah, but stay away from the little bowl of looks like M and M's. Don't don't go to that one. Oh yeah, they're not M and M's. No, they're not really M and M's. Well, all right. Uh, I guess we can just roll on into the first thing then, huh? Oh, uh, I guess the shit. Well, let's let's do a couple things first. One, let's do a teaser. We have some more news at towards the end of the show, right? Bum, 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 bum. Yes, we have. We, do. we this has been a month of changes for Tristalk. We've been spreading our wings and trying out new things, and that sounds like a song. It's rhyming, but that's right. We can actually make a song out of it. I yeah, think. we have to work on that. But we have some news towards the end of the show, and I guess really we ought to go ahead and, and hit our call-in policy early on, don't you think? Uh, yes, the call-in policy is we'd like to get what you'd like to talk about in the chat, and then we'll uh, allow you to come on into the call line, and you'll have about three minutes or so to chat with us until we are able to, uh, you know, and then we'll be able to move on with the show. But um, we do want to get to know you and hear what you have to say, but we have to be mindful of the verbal streakers. So... Just put in the chat what you'd like to say. And be known, if you do start to cross the line, you will be dumped. Thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, and uh, <laughs> do you mention a time limit? Three minutes. Three oh, okay. Minutes. All right. Canada no. versus U.S. as far as vaccinations. Uh, you're Canadian. Oh, Donald Wayne, that sounds like an interesting conversation. Uh, yeah, I heard, I heard some, heard something uh, about a Canadian, uh, pastor. I saw a story about a Canadian pastor. So, um, uh, well, I mean, you know, make a call there, Dennis Lee. Go ahead, sweet. Call on in. We'll give you, we'll get you about three minutes on the, on the old trice clock to, uh, to throw some things around here. Remember, this is a non-explicit show. All right. Sweet Brandon, you on the line? How you doing? I was hoping I was gonna gonna kick me out the first two times so I could say it was not once, not twice, but thrice, but Oh, oh well, I can do that. Oh, do you want... <laughs> but thrice That nice. is a good song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how are you, sir? Hello. I'm not too bad. How are you? Are guys? you there? Oh, doing great. How's the uh, weather up, uh, up there in old Canada? Uh, I can now, yeah. You're 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 coming up. Your uh, little bubble says that. sweet bra. I just thought I'd tell you that. Uh, <laughs> I guess there's not a lot of sweet room bra. to put, All right, I'll put take letters that. on the little circles. <laughs> so, uh, how are you? I'm good. We hit... Uh, just to answer uh, the other question, we had 20, 28 degrees Celsius today for the first time in uh, like nine months. So, oh, nice. The weather's good. 
Uh, you'll have to convert that for those of us that can't do it quickly in our head. <laughs> I think 28 is what, like What is that in, in Fahrenheit? How much? I think it's yeah. 82. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that sounds much warmer when you say it that way. <laughs> yeah, because I think like what, uh, 46 think degrees Celsius? Is will, freezing? Uh, burn you? Is that right? Burn you? Yeah. Is that right? You just need to look at the benchmarks. 26 is 80. 10 is 50, 16 degrees. is 61. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so. well. I know, we're learning all kinds of yeah, things not, here on trust. I mean, you know, we were going to convert <laughs> in this country about so four years ago, and I guess they decided. Science class. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I wasn't going to convert Donald Wayne. I don't know what you're talking. Well, about, I know, right? but you know, I'm not uh, part but, of a commune or anything. But, right? but Americans revolted and said, "Nah, we like what we're doing." So you know. Oh, okay. I get you. Oh, yep. so what's going on the with the vaccinations up there? It's a lot easier. What's going well, that's on with what... vaccinations in the in Canada? There, sweet. Uh, so. I get the I get the sense from from watching your guys' news that you guys are in a pretty good spot. Like it's almost like show up and you can get, oh, like get yeah, well, yeah, it's almost it's almost cured there, uh, sweet. So you know, it's uh, yeah, it's a miraculously it's going to just disappear in a couple more months. Well, some of the states here, are not. Like, I mean, at? I think Texas yesterday had had no new new uh, no deaths uh, recorded, so the cases are way down, but. It's looking good. I, I read an article here that was uh, like Canada's been on lockdown for quite a while, but they um, we we've been on lockdown. And I, I read an article from the CBC, which is the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, that said um, Ontario and Alberta cases are growing faster than Texas and Florida. What does that say about lockdowns? Yeah. Like we we were looking from we were looking down at you guys like down on our nose almost like these guys they're not taking this shit seriously and we're we're locking <laughs> we're locking things down and we're doing everything right and you guys seem to be further ahead than we are. So what is what does that say about us? Like I think Canadians are starting to get a little bit uh a little bit ornery about the fact that we've been locked down and we're uh, watching you guys go to sporting well, events and yeah i think y'all might finally be getting to the place that we were at where we're like look we can't afford to to be locked down anymore um financially um you know mentally uh in any kind of capacity to be locked down um so i i get it i totally get it we're we're uh Canada, the Canadians are coming from. Well, we, we were just about, I mean, there were a lot of communities, a lot of states were just about to the point of revolting, uh, you know, because of, of being locked down so long and, and the money situation. And of course, you know, now our government is continuing to print money to give to everybody. So I uh, don't know how that'll work out 15, 20 years from now, but uh it's a good my sign. My city had uh, anti-mask protests. My city had anti-mask protests uh, <laughs> downtown at City Hall. Yeah, 
for like three or four Saturdays in a row. And then the, I think after the fourth Saturday, they put a big fence up around the, the downtown area where they were gathering. Uh, so they couldn't get, get through. Yeah, I saw a story it, it, about it showed, a pastor it, that was jailed because he, he held church services. And uh, um, I don't I, I know that, what. I think that was in uh, Alberta. Was it? I don't. I, think it was I don't know how how long. Okay. Well, it's it's progress. We're looking we're looking better here, Texas and Florida. Um, I, I didn't I, uh, Dennis Lee? Did you hear that California was still holding on to the mask mandate, or is that just? Maybe I was looking in an old yeah, article. Yeah, there's um, there's you know a few states that are are still holding on to that, and you know let them. I mean, if it's working for them, they don't have to worry about gainful employment or you know um, any of the mental health issues that go along with that, with lockdowns and you know being distanced from your family and friends and yeah. Uh, Can I but change California, as a joke? It does not surprise me that it didn't surprise me the least that California is still doing it. What was that, uh, sweet? So could I I heard a joke today, I think it's funny. Okay. So you guys it's like the honor system if you've been vaccinated, the CDC says you don't have to wear a mask or whatever, right? So it's like honor system if you've been vaccinated, right. you don't have to wear a mask. So someone asked, How right. do we tell if someone's been vaccinated or if they haven't? And the uh, someone replied and said, uh, "Ask him who won the election." Oh, that's, a, that's actually a pretty good one. <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that. <laughs> uh, there you go. Well, you said you'd make us laugh. Good one. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um. So sweet, we 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 um. We welcome you to stay in the chat, and we're glad that you're here. Um, but uh, like I said, about three minutes to folks, and we're going to move on. I didn't watch the clock very well. so I was about to say, I don't want to overstay my welcome, so have a good night, guys. And, uh, oh, well, you're, you're, you're yeah, welcome, yeah, for sure. You, you, yeah, thank you for being here, and we, we hope to, uh, to have you on again. And tell our Canadian, uh, tell your Canadian counterparts there that we like the Canadians, no matter what they say, um, down here in the states. Thank you uh, for protecting us for the yep. last uh, half century. Wow, uh, and we won't quit, depending on no. who we get as president. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who we get as president? Is there a change yeah, well, coming there? Well, uh, well, apparently there is. Do, do you? <laughs> Do you have access to information that I have? Uh, we seen? have inf- yeah, we have information uh, that we can't divulge right at the moment. Oh, okay. You know, because in in light of the recent pipeline thing, it'll create a panic, and you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Uh, we don't need people going and taking bread and milk from the stores. Oh, uh, speaking of pipeline, didn't I, I thought I heard a story today too about the Minnesota governor was uh, proposing that another pipeline be shut down. Um, proposing that a pipeline just be shut down for the hell of it. I, you know, sometimes <laughs> I catch bits and pieces just enough to throw out there to say what, 
uh, <laughs> you said, I didn't get to circle said, back to that news story. So oh, I, I, here we go. I didn't get the circle whole back. thing. Yeah, circle back, <laughs> turn <Circle>. back, <laughs> yeah. lift back. I don't know. Oh boy, paperback, paperback, paperback rider, paperback rider. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Here well, it. <laughs> yeah, that's called a jinx, Donald Wayne. It all. It that only means took- that you have to get. You have to get me a coke. Um, a coke. Coca-Cola, get you some coke. Yeah. You yeah, not, not Coke, a Coca Cola. Right. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, no, no cocaine. I'll put that on my list, my Dennis Lee list. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Next time I see you, <laughs> yeah, give him some Coke. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, first thing I have tonight is uh, about your Space Force that you're so that you like, you know, that you're a, a fan oh. of, right? Yes, actually. Um, I mean, you know, since you're they, a planet, uh, you're planetary kind of guy. I'm a planetary kind of individual. I mean, yes, you are. Space Force is going to go to all the planets. No, 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 no. Okay, no, they're not going. <laughs> it's not in your lifetime, so just don't worry about it. <laughs> it ain't going to happen, there, boss. It's just. Oh. I mean, you know, this squashed my dreams. It's too far away. Mm-hmm. Um. This is an article in the Epic Times, and um, it's by Jack Phillips, old Jack Phillips. And uh, you probably heard this. Some of you probably heard this, that there was a Space Force officer relieved after denouncing Marxism and critical race theory in the military. Uh, I think we did a story a month or so ago about uh, um, the military starting to incorporate some of the CRT training in some of its training. Um, there's some material circulating. Anyway, um, article says a U.S. Space Force commanding officer was removed from his post after publishing a book that warned of the spread of Marxism and critical race theory in the military. The Space Force confirmed that it relieved Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer, a former instructor and flight fly, uh, fighter pilot, I'm sorry, as commander of the 11th Space warning squadron uh lieutenant glenn stephen whiting space operations uh, command commander relieved lieutenant colonel matthew lomer of command on the 11th space warning squadron buckley air force base colorado uh on may the 14th due to a loss of trust and confidence in his ability to lead uh this decision was based on public comments made by lieutenant colonel lomer in a recent podcast, oh boy, you can get in trouble on these podcasts. Oh, Lute- yeah. <laughs> Lieutenant, maybe we need to see if we can interview him. Uh, Lieutenant General uh, Whitting has initiated a command-directed investigation on whether these comments constituted prohibited partisan political activity, according to the statement. The public comments that he made in a podcast were likely in reference to the spread of Marcus, Marxist ideology within the military, which was detailed in Lomer's recently self-published book, Irresistible Revolution, Marxism's Goal of Conquest and Unmaking of the American Military. Long title there on that book. Indeed. Uh, Lomer had appeared on the podcast Information Operation to promote his book, and during the show he criticized Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's agenda. After Austin's confirmation, he ordered a stand-down 
to deal with alleged extremism within the ranks of the U.S. military. Uh, I don't demonize the man, but I want to make it clear to both him and every service member, this agenda, it will divide us. It will not unify us. Lomer said, adding that Austin is promoting diversity, inclusion, and equity, which he and others have said are rooted in critical race theory, which is rooted in Marxism. Uh, in recent days, a number of GOP-led states have barred schools from using curriculum based on the critical race theory um, or the 1619 Project, which critics have denounced as ahistorical and inaccurate. Recently, the White House Press Secretary, Jen Psaki, defended both the 1619 Project and critical race theory. What you see happening in the U.S. military at the moment is that you're a conservative then you're lumped into a group of people who are labeled extremists. If you're willing to voice your views and if you're aligned with the left, then it's okay to be an activist online because no one's going to hold you accountable. And these are comments Lomer made on the, uh, in the uh, article from Washington Examiner. Space Force officials didn't immediately respond to a request by the Epic Times for a comment on this situation. So... So our first casualty in the Space Force, Dennis Lee, well, because of politics. That makes sense. You know, we figured it'd only be a matter of time before somebody mucked it up. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, I, I've been concerned ever since I first read that about, uh, you know, the Secretary of Defense and his directive to start incorporating critical race theory into the training in the military, which just absolutely doesn't make sense. But, um, yeah, this is the first casualty of that probably. So we'll see, see what they do to him because he's still facing charges. <clears throat> Okie doke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a mess. So and Dennis Lee said it's a mess. That's that's number one. Number one. Um, you know, there. You, did you hear about Biden joking about running over a journalist when he was uh, out riding around in a new F-150 um, when he was asked a question about Israel? Was Biden driving or riding, did you say? He was actually behind the wheel. Really? I didn't even know they let him drive. Um, I didn't either. The, Washington Examiner, this is by Andrew Mark Miller. Uh, yeah, apparently uh, Biden was um, was jokingly, he told a reporter that, uh, you know, hey, uh, why don't you get in front of the truck and I'll, I'll show you what I think and run your ass over. Um, he, the reporter said, can I ask you a quick question on Israel before you drive away since it's uh, so important? Um, uh, you know, it was a reporter who asked the president, as, as the president paused for a moment while he was test driving Ford's new electric F-150, uh, F-150 on Tuesday. Um, and it's kind of crazy looking vehicle too. Um, so Biden replied and said, no, you can't. Not unless you get in front of the car and as I, as I step on it. And then he's like, oh, I'm only teasing, he said. <laughs> but really, get in front of the car. Well, yeah. that's kind of weird. Uh, yeah. Um, 
Biden's comment immediately drew criticism from conservatives on social media who suggested former President Donald Trump would not be received as warmly by reporters if he'd made a similar joke. Can you imagine what would well, happen? It'd be, it'd be a threat. It'd be considered yeah. a threat. Yeah, well, Trump, uh, uh, why don't you get in front of the truck? <laughs> see if I just run you over. BP um, doesn't like f these eyes. You're a Chevy man there or a Dodge. Oh, well, you know. Um, it said, they said uh, Joe Biden just threatened to run a reporter over with a car for wanting to ask a question about Israel. Former Nevada GOP chairwoman Amy Tarkanian tweeted, if President Trump had done this, he would have been impeached, jokingly <laughs> or not. This rhetoric is completely unbecoming of the president. I mean, really. And they, um, it's on Twitter, and they've got it recorded. You can play it back and forth and back and forth. Uh, he probably hit the, a, the gas instead of the brake. <laughs> probably. Um, or the Jake pet, Tapper. Never mind. <laughs> Steph, Stephanie <laughs> Miller said, or Stephen Miller said, Jake Tapper would be removing his glasses in a timely fashion and monologuing to the camera about creeping autocracy against a free press. <laughs> Um, said Stephen L. Miller. Um, uh, Leighton Akira Woodhouse says reaction from the gaggle at 129 is nausea inducing. Um, and she's a documentary filmmaker, uh, referring to the laughs and cheers Biden received from members of the media as he sped away. And I don't know how fast that means. Um, you know, he probably wasn't moving too fast in an electric F-150. Uh, Biden was in Dearborn, Michigan at the Ford Rogue Electric Vehicle Center test site where he drove a truck with black and white detailing around the track and was accompanied by Secret Service. So he told the reporters, I mean, his, uh, um, you know, his, 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 uh, his take on driving the truck was, this sucker is quick, he told reporters. So, um, let's... Uh, and he was talking about the truck? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He was probably petting somebody's head when he was doing that, too. Oh, so. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, get you, do get you realize, that out of here. you realize the image you just threw out there? Take that visual away. <laughs> <laughs> I need to back up and I just don't see yeah. the point of having him. I mean, I wonder if he's doing a Ford commercial. Does he need the money that bad? No, I don't, I don't know why, you know, I mean, somebody in marketing probably said, you know what? Let's get the president here. You know, can we get him behind the wheel of this fifth one fifty? Like, yeah, that's a good idea. Johnson. Let's see if we can do that. I am. He'll probably have a gaffe, and then our vehicle will be all over Twitter. Oh, well done, Johnson. Well done. <laughs> our, our what would be all over Twitter, would you say? Well, it depends on who's. <laughs> I don't know if it's a standard or not. I don't think they make those anymore. So, you know, be, I, I miss. There. I mean, I still have a, a gear shift lever on, on my, my uh, Explorer. They're not the same, though. Huh? They mean on the steering wheel? Oh no no no! 
No, yeah. it's on it's on the console, but uh, you know, mine was a. 2019 so 2020s they started with the knob thing i don't know i just i think sporty looking cars need that gear shift I, i'm uh whether it's automatic or you know manual so you're not a not a fan of the knob i just you know i don't i don't care for the knob yeah i'm not I mean, a knobby you know, guy you, either you got this <laughs> this boss mustang you know gt <laughs> <laughs> and you know you you start it up and then you reach up and turn a little knob so you can take off I yeah, just, yeah i don't know just you can hear that thing on, yeah and then you turn the knob to the right to go forward <laughs> i mean you know i could imagine if you turn the knob in the wrong direction and you strip your transmission you know the first day uh, well you know you got to be careful with the knob donald wayne they just don't make it to be handled roughly these days yeah, well, maybe maybe I'll just after this one I'll just stay with used cars. Uh well, the other reason I didn't want a 2020 because Ford started doing that uh that uh that automatic shutoff thing when when you're not moving if you're sitting right. in traffic. Have you driven one of those yet? Uh yeah, we we have one. Uh it's a Lincoln, uh, you know, close enough. Um it, it does shut off, but you can turn the feature off. So you can use it or you don't have to use it. It's oh, really? I didn't know you had an option. Yeah, you do have an option on the newer, the 2020s and 2021s. Yeah. You have an option. I think it's a worthless feature for the car because um, it still uses, you figure you use more gas when you start the car in the first place. Right. So I don't I don't get it. Just, just you know, tell people up front, hey, it's a nice car, but it uses a lot of gas. <laughs> Yeah. I just, I just saw BP's comment and I just don't know. I said, what does that mean? And then I connected the dots. Okay, I got you. I got you. <laughs> I'm, you know, a little, little slow sometimes. Yeah, but I'm I'm not a knob knob person. I'll have to stay with the, uh, some kind of shift. As you should, sir. Although I am going to look at that new Mustang. I know you didn't particularly like the body uh, style. No. I just well, want, I, I mean it doesn't you know, if you consider it's not a Mustang, then maybe. It's a waste of the name. That's true. I don't they were just I don't know what they were doing that for. Well, you know, like the electric Hummer and the electric uh uh some of those I think Jeep now has an electric model as well. I mean, are you really well, gonna go off roading in an electric vehicle? I mean <laughs> They're coming whether we like it or not. You know, that's they're, true. They're, but they're going to be a part of our lives, and they're going to be more prominent in the next twenty years. Yeah. Well, um, but, you know. Yep. Um, I'll be mind idling out in the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody get Dad out of the car. He's in the car again. Well, I haven't had a smoker in a few years, so. Uh, <laughs> You know, one of those cars when you take off from the light, and, you know, people can't see behind you for a couple Where of is, minutes. Well, we took the wheels off, so you can't go anywhere. So it's on center <laughs> blocks. It's like a ride in an amusement park. <laughs> I had a customer one time that, uh, I'd, well, actually, it was the son who hired me to do work for his mother, and she was like 94, 95, and she had a real steep driveway, and she's still driving. And so I asked him, I said, so how long are you going to continue to let her drive? He says, as long as she can get up and down this driveway 
she's good to go as far as I'm concerned. So wow, well that's a good test. Yeah, yeah. but you know that's that's an important thing to people. Oh yeah, yeah independence. Take away the, don't want to take away anybody's freedom. Dennis, I need you to take me to the store. <laughs> good lord, <laughs> again. We just went <laughs> last month. <laughs> I mean, how much milk do you need? All right. <laughs> uh, my next little ditty here is uh, just kind of a little sidebar to the DOJ. Uh, they're raising concerns about the Maricopa County audit. You know, they can't finish this audit in Arizona because of all the the lawsuits and and the interference you know now they've got to stop because they're having some kind of event in the place they chose to count the the or do the recount do the audit but anyway the department of justice has gotten into this uh this month and this is another article from uh, epic times it says doj raises concerns about maricopa county election audit the U.S. Department of Justice on May the 5th raised concerns about the security of the ballots and the potential for voter intimidation related to the ongoing 2020 election audit in Maricopa County, Arizona. Pamela Carlin, Principal Deputy Assistant Attorney General with the DOJ's Civil Rights Division, cited news reports to inquire in a letter to Arizona Senate President uh, Karen Fan about the custody of the ballots currently under review by a group of pi- uh, private contractors. Carlin also complained that a portion of the audit was uh, work that involves canvassing addresses on the ballots, uh, you know, so they can verify people. Act- these are real addresses. Mm. Um, but they consider that the Department of Justice considers that voter intimidation. Uh, The first issue relates to a number of reports suggesting that the ballots, election systems, and election materials that are the subject of the audit are no longer under the ultimate control of state and local election officials, and that they are not being adequately safeguarded by contractors at a secure facility and are at risk of being lost stolen, altered, compromised, or destroyed. Kind of like the election last November, wouldn't you say? Um, Carlin wrote, citing a pair of news articles as the source for her assertions. One of the articles Carlin cited claims that there were security lapses in the audit process. The only evidence the article offered were the opinions of local Democrat politicians and a security expert both of whom formed their conclusions based on a video prepared by a local news channel. The second and third articles cited by Carlin were published in January and February before the venue and the contractors for the audit were selected. Carlin also raised concerns about a plan by one of the audit contractors, Cyber Ninjas, to verify the validity of certain voter registrations with questionable addresses by display batching people to verify whether the voter lived at the address on the registration cards. This uh, description of the proposed work of the audit raises concerns regarding potential intimidation of voters. The department enforces a number of federal statutes that prohibit intimidation of persons for voting or attempting to vote. Carlin wrote, citing a section of the Voting Rights Act that prohibits voter intimidation. 
Past experience with similar investigative efforts around the country have raised concerns that they can be directed at minority voters, which potentially can implicate the anti-intimidation prohib prohibitions of the Voting Rights Act. Such investigative efforts can have a significant intimidating effect on qualified voters that can deter them from seeking to vote in the future. So, um, one more comment from them, the Department of Justice. Specifically, we believe that the Senate and its agents, including cyber ninjas, are violating their duty under federal law to retain and preserve ballots cast in a federal election, which are and have been in danger of being stolen, defaced, or irretrievably damaged, and preparing to engage in conduct which will constitute unlawful voter intimidation. Um, and that's pretty much it. So the Department of Justice is getting involved in this as well. So like I say, they're doing everything they can to really uh, stop this process going on in Arizona. So it'll be a miracle if they ever finish this thing. Right now, they're thinking, uh, I think they're having to stop for two weeks. And then I think right now they're scheduled to be finished with that audit process by the end of June. We'll see. Things will uh, we'll be voting for another president. <laughs> yeah, we'll. <laughs> they'll, be, get that they'll be running political ads by then. Uh, right. I just, you know, I'll say it again. I, I just don't know why Democrats are trying so hard for this not to happen. Um, just let it happen. If you're so confident that there was nothing wrong with, with those votes in that particular county, just let it happen. And then you can say, you know, if nothing is found, Hey, you know, that that'll probably put the damper on doing anything else across the country. If they come up empty handed on this thing. Jeez. So, um, did you hear about the, um, and there's a story out that the colonial pipeline hack, um, signals electric grid may be next. I heard lead that. To, uh, lead to an electronic, Apocalypse. Uh, who? Electronic apocalypse. Oh, this you, was I a, thought you said hocalypse. Uh, well, ho hocalypse. <laughs> uh, I think that was back in high school. Um, so this is an article by the Washington Examiner uh, by Paul Bettard. Um, said that the uh, cyber attack shutdown of the Colonial Pipeline that delivers gas and jet fuel to the East Coast sparked new fears among experts of a broader Russian back to salt that could darken the U.S. electric grid in just 24 hours. Well, and this was done seven hours ago, so not much time left. Uh oh. You better go get candles and batteries. I've got them. <laughs> um, using an easy to build electronic weapons installed in just 20 little trucks, enough attacks on little guarded grid transformers over 20 in over 24 hours could turn the U.S. into a cave society of just, you know, chess-beating Neanderthals, according to a leading electronic and cyber weapon expert. Thanks a lot, buddy. Um, chess-beating Neanderthals? I threw that in there. I just Oh, I was going to say, that's what they call the governor of uh, <laughs> Texas. <laughs> Hot lips, Oolahan. There you go, BP. That's a throwback. Um, Peter Vincent Pride lays it all out. 
in his upcoming book, part of which was shared with secrets following the colonial shutdown last week. And blackout warfare, an experiment, uh, let's see, we're trying to sell a book, Pry calculated that 20 trucks armed with direct energy weapons, um, or do, um, and manned by 40 personnel could, in 24 hours, attack 500 of 2,000 extra high-voltage transformer substations in the U.S. National Electric Grid. Reportedly, according to a restricted study by the U.S. Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, an attack that sabotages just nine of 2,000 EHV transformer substations would result in a protracted nationwide blackout. And that is just off of um, nine of those out of 2,000 being attacked. Uh, it may sound exotic, but he said that examples of the weapons have been developed in Russia and are used in the U.S. and internationally to test against electromagnetic pulse. We were talking about that just the other day. You know, put those two together, a gas shortage and an EMP burst, and you're pretty much done for the summer. Um, yeah. He said that a House committee in, 20, in, in 2000 hired an electrical engineer and some students to see if they could build one from off-the-shelf parts. They did, and stuck it in a Volkswagen bus. He also said that companies offer EMP suitcases that simulate an attack that can be weaponized against the grid to darken cities. Well, thanks a lot for that blueprint there, folks. Um, (laughs) In past reports, Pry and others have warned against more elaborate electro- uh, uh, or nuclear electromagnetic weapons put on missiles and satellites. Below budget and easy to use non nuclear EMP weapons are catching on, are they now? Thanks to NNEMP weapons, we have arrived at a place where the technological pillars of civilization for a major met- metropolitan area could be toppled by a single madman, he warned in the chapter of his book devoted to the issue. NNEMP devices like the EMP suitcase could become the dollar store version of weapons of mass destruction if turned against the national electric grid by a terrorist. A German version of the EMP suitcase weighs only 62 pounds and is easily delivered by a drone or cruise missile, he added. And versions of the weapon have been used against Americans already, he said, citing the attack on the U.S. Embassy in Cuba, and a dog walker near the White House last November. I'm not sure what the hell he's talking about. Yeah, a dog walker? What? Matt, well, I think he's talking about one of those dog walking, or those uh, those robot dogs that they have. Have you seen those? Oh, yeah, Some I've of seen them. Yeah, so um, add in the Russian-based hack, uh, add in the Russian-based hack of Colonial and Pry, said the country should brace for more assaults. The colonial pipeline hack proves the Kremlin is not bluffing, said Pry. These three seemingly unrelated stories prove that someone is preparing for World War III. So Americans should be ready for a coming electronic apocalypse. Back up your stuff into the cloud, because Lord knows the cloud will still be there once the lights come back on. But uh, if water, food, petroleum, and other critical infrastructures collapse, 
then we have lost World War III, he said in a separate post about his book's findings. And it'll just be like the movie, post-apocalyptic movie The Road, where we wander around and searching for little scraps or maybe a old remnant of a Coke. The Road? Yeah, The Road. Have you ever seen that with Ving Mortensen? No. Whatever the hell his name is. I was thinking you were going to say The Road Warrior. No, but that's funny. You know, it's funny, but it's not funny. We talked about that scenario to several people um, this week and last week. Yeah. They shut down the grid. I mean, look at how we react to a snowstorm. You know, several inches of snow. We're going to be in stuck Texas, in the house. No less. <laughs> right. And then, um, you know, how everybody reacted to the, the pipeline being shut down. I mean, there's still stations today that don't have gas. Um, so, yeah, let them go ahead and shut the grid down in any part of the United States. And there'll be chaos. Yeah, I, I noticed, uh, actually, uh, Atlanta's been on Fox News National for a couple of days already this week. You know, they're, I think they were in Shambly one day and maybe mm-hmm. Doraville, you know, uh, checking gas stations and availability of gas there. So, yeah, we, we've got some national exposure. Well, yeah, I Welcome, we, Blue Rock. Welcome, Monica. Blue Rock. Blue Rock. Oh, Lou Rock. I just said Blue Rock. Blue Rock, that's a beer, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I'm I don't not, know, I'm, Margo. I'm, I'm not a connoisseur. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it's all you. It's all you. Oh, well, we're in trouble. Um, so, you know... This is a this is a story that I a subject that I haven't uh, approached before because I really haven't had anything and I actually had this one submitted to me and um, I thought about it and you know there, with with all the talk about racism and and uh, racial inequity in the country and uh, you know I, this story came up uh, when I when I saw it and it's like okay this is crazy if these if these stupid people are stupid enough to do what I read into this story. It just, you know, these are the kind of people that just, uh, really have no, no, no business, uh, being in the public domain. So, um, this is a story from dailymail.com and it's about, it said the headline is value of an Indianapolis home doubles to $259,000 after black owner asked white friend to stand in for her during appraisal visit. And when I read it, I, I, I read it twice. I said, no, I just, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying, you know, cause I don't know. I mean, I only know my little small world in Georgia and, and people I know back home in Texas and stuff. And, uh, I can't say that I come across every story uh, of stuff like this, but this one just, it's stupid. And I thought I would just, there are some stupid people in this country that do stupid things. All right. No. Yeah. Stupid. In this, you know, and I feel like in this day and time, if you're still doing this kind of stupid crap, you deserve whatever kind of criticism or, or, uh, you know, whatever comes your way. 
misfortune. So starts out, a black homeowner in Indianapolis has filed a complaint after her home value more than doubled after she had a white friend stand in for her during her third appraisal. Carlette Duffy believed the first two appraisals she received at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic were too low and were given based on her skin color. Her home was in the Flanner House Homes neighborhood, uh, was appraised for $125,000 uh, last March and April in 2020, before dropping down to $110,000 on the second uh, appraisal. So Flanner's House, uh, Flanner House Homes is a historically black neighborhood listed on the National Register of Historic Places. For the third appraisal, Duffy kept communication to email and eliminated indicators of her racial identity from her home before having the white husband of a friend stand in for her during the, uh, the, uh, the appraisal visit. Um, there's a lot of pictures with this thing I have to pass over. That time, the home was appraised for $259,000, more than double the value of the initial appraisal. She says, I had to go through all that just to say I was right and that this is what's happening, Duffy told the Indianapolis Star. In conjunction with the Fair Housing Center of Central Indiana, Duffy has filed a complaint with the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development against the mortgage lenders and appraisers involved in allegedly undervaluing her home. She's asking for the appraisals to be investigated by the federal agency. The complaints allege that she the appraisals were racially motivated and unfair comps were pulled in regards to the appraisals. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had a house appraised, but uh, if you live in a subdivision, they always look at comparable, they say comparable houses to yours in your neighborhood. Uh, and that helps them. It kind of gives them a gauge for what they determine the value of your home. Uh, so it's not just based on, you know, the condition of your house, but also the, the comps, as they call it. Um, let's see. The respondents in the complaint included appraiser Tim Boston, appraiser Jeffrey Pierce, citywide home loans, and employee Craig Hodges, <laughs> lender of Freedom Mortgage, and two employees of Freedom Mortgage. Boston denied the allegation, saying, my appraisal reports are data-driven. I could care less about culture or sexual orientation. My appraisals are always supported by data because my license is at risk if I do not do it correctly. From the appraisal management company to the bank, those appraisals go through statistical packages, a uh, logarithm type software to test my value. If it's not within a certain range of those software programs, it'll kick back. The other respondents in the complaint have not publicly responded to the allegations. Duffy first received an appraisal so she could refinance her mortgage loan as interest rates were low during, uh, due to the pandemic. She purchased her home mortgage in 2017 for $100,000. Uh, Duffy's sister, who lives close to Duffy at her, uh, at her home, appraised in 2019 for $198,000. But her first appraisal in the spring of 2020 from Citywide and Jeffrey Pierce 
came in at just $125,000. The wording in it just sent out red flags, Duffy told the Indy Star. It said there were comps within the half mile, but it said the quality of construction of the other homes were far more superior to the quality of construction of my home. After Duffy looked at the comps herself, she chose to purchase a market analysis of her own home and give it to Citywide, which concluded the list price of her home could be $187,000. Citywide refused to budge on their appraisal, leading Duffy to turn to Freedom Mortgage to refinance her home. Between May and July of last year, Freedom Mortgage and Tim Boston of the Appraisal Network appraised her home again at an even lower value, this time of $110,000. How did I lose $15,000 in my home value, Duffy asked, without receiving a satisfactory answer? So Duffy handed over the market analysis to Boston, uh, though Boston denies receiving additional documentation from Duffy. Throughout this, Duffy was also receiving interest rate quotes above the 3.9% rate of her current mortgage loan. I had a lot of pushback from family and friends in real estate who were like, maybe that's just the value of your home, you know? Maybe you're wrong, that there's nothing nefarious occurring here. But none of those arguments convinced me that I was wrong. I just felt like, no, something else is happening here that we're not seeing. After becoming aware of different reports about regarding race and housing, Duffy gave it to a, another shot in October and November 2020 with an unidentified company. She did not declare her race or gender to that company. She only communicated through email and removed photos and art from the walls of her home. I staged my home to look as ethnically neutral as possible, Duffy said. On November the 4th, the white husband of her friend, who Duffy told the appraiser was her brother, stood in for Duffy, who claimed to be out of town. On November 6th, Duffy received the new $259,000 appraisal. Boston questions the redaction of the appraiser's name in the complaint and their certification, but said, we should, have, we should have to look at those appraisal figures to figure out why there's such a big difference. So uh, she's filed the complaint. They're looking into it. But um, there's one more notation in here. According to the research from the Brookings Institute, owner-occupied homes in African-American neighborhoods are undervalued by an average of $48,000 per home, adding up to $156 billion in cumulative losses for the community nationwide. So I think it's a sad story. If, if, if it's all true, if it all pans out, uh, she's probably going to have to, uh, you know, the people who did that last appraisal are going to have to be involved in this and uh, probably testify to, uh, for them to figure it out. But, you know, to, for, for your, and I've gone through that process a couple, several times here. Uh, and there is oftentimes a, a big difference between one appraisal and another. Uh, and you have to be careful who they're, uh, you know, comping your home out to. And then, you know, there are mortgage companies in this country who try to lowball, you know, purchasing your home, when, of course, in her, her case, she was just trying to refinance. But uh, a lot of times people, when they're trying to you know, buy your home, 
they'll lowball right. it with some comps just so they get a good price and then they can turn around and make a higher profit. But that's that's a sad story if that's if that's still a widespread occurrence in this country. What the and hell is wrong with people? Well, I mean, do, do you not pay attention to what's going on in this country? Do you not understand? Number one, that's wrong. But but you know this this you you're not going to be able to survive in a business if you're if you're carrying on in that in that manner. Right. Uh, plus, it's just wrong. And um, good for her for for sticking to her guns, even though. I think it sounds like her friends and, and some of her family were trying to tell her, you know, just maybe that's just the way it is. Uh, but like I said, you know, we 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 talk about this a lot on Trice Talk at times, and and there's a lot of it that's overblown. But when you see a story like this, uh, again, assuming that that third appraiser is is a legitimate uh, company. That uh, it's just it's sad that people have to go through that. You have to have your house appraised three times to get a fair price. Doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. No, Shame no. on them. Uh, well, you know, let's let's uh, yeah, we switch gears over to a few 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 lighter things. Um, <laughs> lighter? What do you think about that? Let's go. Let's go. Uh, let's go see what we can find in the corner over here. Um, the corner. Which team do you play for? Well, I, I'm a peach. Well, I was just wondering because I couldn't figure out why you would throw home when we've got a two-run lead. You let the tying run get on second, and we lost the lead because of you. Now you start using your head. That's that lump that's three feet above your ass. <laughs> Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Why don't you leave her alone, Jimmy? Oh, you zip it, Doris! Rogers Hornsby was my manager, and he called me a talking pile of pink shit. And that was when my parents drove all the way down from Michigan to see me play the game. And did I cry? No, no. <laughs> no! No! And you know why? No. Because there's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! Oh, uh, you might, uh... You might want to get some HR skills there, buddy. Um, I like Tom Hanks in that movie. I do. He does. He does a great <laughs> job in that movie. Um, it's not, it wouldn't be Pertwee's uh, favorite movie. Um, but um, since I brought that up, uh, Eric, if you put in the chat, I, you know how uh, Pertwee and Honeybee are actually doing. I uh, think last we heard they were on the upside, so. Uh, I'm praying yeah. that that's still going that direction. It's um, been a couple of weeks. Uh, I think yeah. Hartwee was on Slightly's show one night. Right. That's what, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's a story out of Newsweek uh, by Courtney Broggle that a 70-pound dog was thrown into the air by a dust devil in a viral video. Um, this dog's unexpected flight from last week has gone viral after a massive gust of wind managed to send him into the air. Um, 
come home from the hospital today. Hooray! Good hey. deal. Thank you, Jess Duck. Yeah, I'm glad we're, we, we're so we should glad have some to, cheering for that. Yeah, would you put out some cheer there, Donald Wayne? Um, there you go. Uh, that's not the rioters. That's no the cheering squad. They're not. They're not that happy. Yeah, glad to hear that Honey Bee is coming home. That's a blessing. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, so a Virginia family was shocked when Duke, their 70-pound Labrador retriever, was thrown into the air by a sudden dust devil on Tuesday. Duke's owner, Brittany Wampler, told Newsweek that while she was at work, her children, Hunter, Avery, and Logan, took the family dog outside to play in their Weir's Cave neighborhood. That's kind of an odd name. Yeah, that's The weather, kind of... weather wasn't initially anything to be concerned over. But the gust came through, and they turned to see the dust devil form. She said it picked Duke up and put him back down a couple of times before disappearing. Poor Duke didn't know which end was up. Um, <laughs> later that evening, when she came home, Wampler's three very adamant kids filled her in on the day's startling events. The siblings all remained steadfast in their description of the events that a dust devil picked Duke up and spun him around and threw him over our underground dog fence. It's like an old beer tab. Uh, Wampler told Newsweek that she later decided to look into the home security or doorbell footage to see if the incident was caught on video. Um, she said, I reached out to a neighbor with the doorbell camera and unfortunately theirs didn't catch it. So I kept thinking about it and hearing my kids and their unwavering in their story. I remembered another camera angle that perhaps caught it, and sure enough, it did. So I think if you can, you know, look that up, you might catch a glimpse of uh, old Duke going airborne. Um, yeah, the uh, let's see the, the, the so the next day, Wampler uh, actually reached out to local meteorologist to see if a dust devil could actually pick up a dog and sure enough a report from whsv confirmed that when the right weather conditions come together a dust devil can be strong enough to lift heavy objects even old duke um <laughs> so <laughs> this goes to tell you those dust devils could be cool to look at but don't go jumping in the middle of them um but uh you know they said that uh, duke is a go-getter and up for adventure but I don't think he was a fan. <laughs> so, no pun intended. Um, Those things used to scare me when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I, I never did care for them much. They looked like a tornado to me. So, I yep. haven't been around tornadoes. I'm not likely to go jumping around in one. Anything that's whirling around in a circle like that and kicking up dust, that's... Uh... Yeah. So, we'll go from that to... Uh, the Washington Examiner, Haley Victory Smith, that uh, Obama acknowledges the existence of UFOs. Former President Barack Obama acknowledged the existence of UFOs days after a 60-minute special featured Navy pilots and their wit uh, eyewitness accounts with such objects. When it comes to aliens, oh, no, I can't do his voice right. When it comes to aliens, there are some things I just can't tell you on air. Obama said during a Tuesday episode of the late show with James Gordon or Corden um, when asked if he had a theory about the origin of various unified, unidentified flying objects seen over the years, he directly pointed at your anus. 
Um, she no, had to work that in, didn't he? <laughs> he did. He did. He said, "Look, the truth is what <laughs> is that when I came into the office, I asked." Um, he continued, I was like, all right, is there the lab somewhere where we're keeping the alien specimens and spaceships or whatnot? Um, they did a little bit of research, and the answer was no. So, But what is, uh, what is true, and I'm actually being serious here, is that there's footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are, the former president said. Um, you know, in Sunday's 60 minute special, Navy pilots detailed their accounts of witnessing UFOs that appeared to be aircraft. So, um, so he says, so as we're looking at this, uh, her, her backseater says, Hey, Skipper, do you? And blurk, and about that guy, I said, dude, that, you know, obviously this is a bunch of rambling. It doesn't make any sense. So I'm going to skip down. So, says, I'm not a UFO guy, he said. Uh, oh, there's definitely something. Uh, no, that's more of the, you know what? <laughs> Watch the 60 Minutes episode and you can get all this drabble that they're going back and forth with. Uh, last year, a video shot in 2004 and two shot in 2015 that all appeared to show UFOs flying at high speeds were released by the Navy. The videos also showed uh, the UFOs performing impressive aerial maneuvers. Uh, maybe it was the Blue Devils, and just some, uh, hmm. you know, with some funny lights around the uh, around the hmm. around the aircraft. Um, but you know, that's uh, you know, Obama's admitted to it. Everybody's jumping on the UFO bandwagon there, Donald Wayne. Yes, so, they are. You know, who knows what'll come out next about you know planets? Well, it doesn't surprise me. Obama would come out. Yeah. About the, the aliens. Yeah, I mean, hey, he's the first one I expect to be talking about your anus. Actually, so. actually, I wonder. <laughs> I'm I'm wondering if our president is an alien. Maybe that would I explain think, some I, things. I, I think he's what they call an uh, an old an old gray. <laughs> so, um, in the Watch UFO it. world, <laughs> what's it? Uh, uh, the last one in the corner is um, there's an Australia's oldest man says eating chicken brains is his secret to long life. And this is out of Newsweek by Annabelle Dolliner. Um, Dexter Kruger on Monday became the oldest Australian man on record at a whopping 111 years and 124 days old. To mark the occasion, he shared some of his tips for longevity with the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, hailing from the town of Roma in the Queensland outback, Kruger is a former veterinary uh, surgeon, a poet, an author, a cattle tipper. Uh, oh, I mean, a cattle farmer. Um, he said, I live very close to nature, um, and I ate mostly what I grew in the garden or the orchard or the farm. Sound like he might have been hitting a little bit of the old glaucoma. His, he credits the simplicity of his lifestyle as one factor in his long life. It's because I do things differently, he said. Uh, the super, centenari- super centenarian who was born January 13, 1910, um, Kruger was raised by German immigrants before um, you know, hiding out in people's dreams and slashing them about. Um, according to Seven News, 
And he st- started in the cattle industry at an early age. He says, when I was seven years old, my father gave me a heifer calf. And I've been in the cattle business ever since, he told the news outlet. Um, for those trying to emulate his success, Kruger offers one piece of guidance. Eat good food. According to ABC News, he explained, people do eat too much. They eat themselves into the grave. In a similar vein, Kruger told news outlet that chicken brains are a dish that he enjoys on a weekly basis. You know, chicken brains have a head, and in that, she said, you know, chickens have a head, and in that are some brains, and they are delicious little things. Sounds like he's trying to rhyme there. He told ABC News, there's only one bite. So, I mean, that's going to be a lot of chicken heads to make a meal. I can't imagine there's anything to chew. Uh, Well, you know, he he may just suck them out like crawfish. I don't know. Oh. Um, (laughs) Like oysters? (laughs) (laughs) Some fava beans. Uh, Fava beans. Kruger's 70-year-old Kruger's 74-year-old son, Greg, <laughs> backed up these claims, noting that Kruger's diet is key. According to Greg, Kruger always ate plenty of salt, sugar, and fat. Oh, well, then that's not eating himself into the grave, but stayed away from processed food. Okay, I get it. Um, his system wasn't worn out trying to process junk food. He's never been overweight, always active, he explained, and kind of crows early in the morning. Kruger manages to keep busy with activities like a strict morning exercise regime, spending time outdoors, and working on his latest project, an autobiography, um, My Love for Chickens. According to The Seven News, his autobiography is the 13th book he's written. Um, He also likes to keep with current affairs as Bleak as he may feel, things are. I don't think today's world is a nicer place. I just do not, said Kruger. People are not happy. They have too much debt. We have far too much money to spend on rubbish. He added that life was much more relaxed before we got all this computerized technology and hubbubbery. I just threw in hubbubbery because I like that word. Reflecting on his past, He had ABC News about his wife, Gladys, whom he called the love of his life. I didn't have to go chasing after females. I had a girl who wanted me, and it wasn't very long before I realized that this was the girl for me, he said. We're out in the bush. There was no way you could take Gladys out to the movies or take her out for dinner. So I visited her in her home. Um, out in the bush. So now, however, Kruger has his sights set on a new goal, to become Australia's oldest person ever. He has only a couple of years to go. The title is currently held by Christina Cock, who was 114 <laughs> years old and 148 days old uh, when she died in 2002, according to ABC News. Kruger added that he'd like to live until he finds it too difficult to live. As he told Seven News, it has been a, uh, it has been and will continue to be a great honor to be the oldest man ever to be in Australia. Uh, God bless you and Godspeed there, Mr. Kruger. Um, that's that's uh, an amazing accomplishment. Yeah, I hope he beats old cock. Um, you know, that's that's going to be a, a big honor for him. Did so. you say how old his wife was? 
I actually been dead for a long time. I, oh, I mean, she died. I oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought... he's, uh, he's, he's outlived everybody. Um, I, I was waiting for you to say that his wife was like 30 or something like that. I that was going to be a punchline. <laughs> oh, no, it's not scandalous. I mean, they're living out in the bush, Donald Wayne. I don't think there's a whole lot to... Uh, well, isn't about two thirds of Australia the bush? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I, don't I don't mean know. that never, in a bad way. But. I've never been to the bush. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just go looking, <laughs> looking <laughs> on the map. Uh, well, and that's all we got for this edition of the Corner, Donald Williams. <laughs> and uh, why is it so hot in Australia? They're so close to Antarctica. I mean, wouldn't you think that that would have an effect? Well, uh, you know, what threw me off with Australia is those spiders that actually stand on their back legs and come at you like they're going to whoop your ass. Um, No, no. Like spider monkeys? (laughs) Yeah, it's not happening. All hopped up on Mountain Dew? No, no. And I'm with you, Just Duck. I don't want to either. Um, Well, see. You've outlived everybody. I've, I've, I've said this before. When people say, you know, the older you get, they say, well, you know, how long would you like to live? And I, that line continues to move as the older you get. Uh, you yeah. may not realize that now, but, um, you know, that's assuming that you're in good health. And Well, as long know. as your faculties are in order. Um, yeah, as long as somebody's not taking yeah. care of me, right. uh, you're stuck with me. So, <laughs> Oh, no, darling. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, thanks for those. Uh, you took us away from seriousness. Well, anytime I can, you know, throw the bush out your way, that's uh, and what we'll do here. Yeah, yeah. The the okay. I'm not going to say what just almost came out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to take us back to something that's not so nice. It oh, here actually, we go. This is actually something that almost puts a foot in your territory <laughs> oh well not not talking about your planet either but oh okay this is uh this was another story that was sent to us from a listener and it's it's a longer article than i'm going to use here because there's a lot to it but i'm going to hit uh a lot of the high points it's Actually, it starts out and you think, man, what what is this about? And then you start getting into it and then you start thinking of the ramifications. So let me go into this story. Um, The title, let's see, what is it from? It's from a a site called lewrockwell.com. Never seen it before, but again, it was sent to me. So um, uh, and it's written by F. William Ingall, Ingdahl. But it's titled, Why Are Gates at the Pentagon? Why Are Gates? Why Are Gates? Yeah, that's why are Gates. GMR ducks. And the Pentagon releasing GMO mosquitoes in the Florida Keys. Have you seen that story? I have not, but I'm intrigued now. Okay. You know what? You know what GMO is, right? I do. Yes, I do. Uh, Genetically modified. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So on April the 30th, the Florida Keys Mosquito Control District and the Oxitec Biotechnology Company announced they will begin release, releasing of, well, they will begin release hmm, of what will ultimately be some 750 million genetically manipulated 
or gene-edited ad- 80s Egypti mosquitoes. And That's not I'm, good. I'm just guessing I'm pronouncing that. That's close. Uh, using the CRSPR gene editing technology, and they don't really explain what that acronym is. So, But the Aedes aegypti makes up only about 4% of the mosquito population in the Keys. And I've been thinking about wanting to go. I've always wanted to go to Key West, but uh, after seeing this article, I, I may change my mind. Uh, the release is bitterly opposed by residents and environmental groups who demand a referendum in last year's election ballot, but which the Mosquito Control Board curiously refused. Oxitec and the board claim the release is to kill off the presence of the Aedes aegypti mosquito, which is believed to carry dengue fever, Zika, as you talked about, uh, I think, last year, and oh, other yeah. diseases. Uh, the project, which sounds positive in the press statements, is alarming in many respects. First, the refusal to allow a citizen vote on the controversial GMO release. Second, there exists no cost-benefit analysis of the risk virus benefits of releasing millions of mosquitoes whose genetic traits are mutating in often unpredictable ways. Is it worth the risk that an ever more robust variety of a mosquito will mutate from the project? No one can say. Traditional mosquito control techniques have worked well up until now. The CEO of Oxitec, Gray Frandison, has a dark history with the U.S. State Department in the Balkans as an advisor to the U.S. Navy and as a fellow of the George Soros International Crisis Group that played a key role in the destruction of Yugoslavia in the 1990s. With no previous experience in biotechnology, Frandison appears as CEO of Oxitec in 2017. Oxitec, a UK company, is now owned by Third Security, a U.S. venture capital firm in Radford, Virginia, headed by Randall J. Kirk, who also owns a gene-edited salmon producer, Aqua Bounty. So if you buy any Aqua Bounty salmon, they've been genetically altered. Uh, Oxitec conducted another similar trial in uh, I guess that's Bahia, Brazil, in the past to see if the gene-edited mosquitoes would mate with local mosquitoes carrying Zika, malaria, and other mosquito-borne diseases. A team of scientists from Yale University and several scientific institutes in Brazil monitored the progress of the experiments. What they found was that after an initial period in which the target mosquito population markedly declined, after about 18 months the mosquito population recovered to pre-release levels. Not only that, the paper noted that some of the mosquitoes likely have hybrid vigor in which a hybrid of the natural with the gene edited created a more robust population than the pre-release population, which may be more resistant to insecticides, in short, resistant super mosquitoes. The Brazil Oxitec study concluded it is unclear how this may affect disease transmission or affect other efforts to control these dangerous vectors. And a a vector is an organism (laughs) that bites um, and transmits diseases. 
In short, the genetic mutations were unpredictable. Another 2020 scientific study revealed that the sterile insect revert back to being fertile, resulting in resistant GMO populations persisting in the environment. So they're sterile, but they overcome that and they become fertile again. So that was a big waste of money. The study published by scientists in China, Germany, and the USDA in the United States shows that spontaneous mutations in laboratory flies can arise, leading to genetic resistance to the intended trait. In other words, superflies or mosquitoes. What further draws suspicion about the entire gene-edited mosquito release in Florida is the fact that the Oxitec project is being supported by two highly controversial agencies, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, that's surprising, and the Pentagon's Defense Advanced Research Project Agency, or DARPA. Gates, not only a major financial backer of the gene-edited COVID-19 vaccines of, of Pfizer and Moderna, and the largest private donor to the World Health Organization, I didn't realize that, has funded gene editing research for more than a decade. So that's what Bill Gates has been doing with some of his money. Gates is well aware of the malevolent potential of gene editing technology. It can be used as a bioweapon maker. In 2016, Gates declared the next epidemic could originate on the computer screen of a terrorist intent on using genetic engineering to create a synthetic version of the smallpox virus. In July 2017, John Sotos of Intel Health and Life Sciences stated that the gene editing research could open up the potential for bioweapons of unimaginable destructive potential. In 2016, Gates Foundation gave $1.6 million to a PR firm to block a broad effort to get a UN convention on biological diversity uh, a moratorium on gene-driven technology until they could determine it was safe. Because of Gates and his money, uh, the, the contributions, they were successful in blocking that moratorium. Uh, entom entomological warfare is a type of biological warfare that uses insects to transmit disease. The Pentagon has allegedly performed such entom entomological tests secretly in the Republic of Georgia and Russia. The Pentagon presently has top security bio laboratories in 25 countries across the world funded by the Defense Threat Reduction Agency. Never heard of that one before. So really, Dennis Lee, science fiction is no longer fiction. No, they've been they've been you know playing God for quite some time. Um, yeah, they're going to screw up and 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 create something that they can't fix right. one of these days. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I think if I lived in, in South Florida, going back to the original part of the, the article, I would be very upset if they're, you're going to re release how many mosquitoes in here? And what is that effect going to be? And, and then they mutate into something that, you know, the, the traditional means are going to not have any effect on them. So then they're going to have to go do something else. Uh, it's just a very slippery slope that that they're going down. And all these people are doing this stuff pretty much uh 
out of the limelight unless people like this, you know, expose them. Uh, it's, it's scary. And yeah, it's, uh, you know, can you imagine what would happen? You know, what could potentially happen if you were bitten? I know with one of these, one of these mosquitoes, well, you know, they're going to bite people down there. Right. So, uh, you might want to delay any, uh, any trips to South Florida this year. Oh, it's not likely to happen anyway. What's that? Oh, the trip. Yeah. No, (laughs) I haven't seen Um, (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, here's another one for Jess Duck. Um, uh, Washington Examiner Haley Victory Smith has an article out that um, a Colorado squirrel tests positive for the plague. I mean, really? Uh, what's going on up there, Jess Duck? Uh, a squirrel in Colorado tested positive for the plague, according to state officials. The animal was found to have the illness in El Paso County last week, according to to the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. And officials said they wanted to remind residents that it's not uncommon for the plague to be present this time of year. So just get over it. Um, Simple precautions can keep the risk of transmission to humans very low, said a news release from the agency. Don't play with the squirrels. Um, (laughs) Cases of the plague have previously been reported among Colorado's wild rodents, particularly during the summer months. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what they're saying, uh, Jessica. Uh, prairie dogs, those cute little things. Don't bring them in the house. Um, cases of the plague uh, have pe- previously been reported among Colorado's wild rodents, particularly during the summer months. Plague has been present in Colorado since at least the 1940s, and cases in wild rodents in the state are reported, uh, reported, <laughs> reported in most years now, don't you know? Dr. Jennifer House, state public health veterinarian, said in a statement. I love that. That is the new reported. word, Donald Wayne. Can we put that on, How you on the Webster R-E-P-O-T-E-D? shelf? Reported. While we see most plague activity during the summer, the disease can be found in rodents year-round and sometimes spills over into other wildlife species, as well as domestic cats and dogs. So, you know, if the dogs and cats are out there playing with uh, infected rodents, and they could they could pass it along <laughs> last last summer. <laughs> last summer, animals and atoms. Broomfield and Jefferson counties tested positive for the plague. So basically a citizen reported it and said that they had seen other dead squirrels in the area over the last couple of weeks. And that's why our department ended up working to test the squirrel. Um, Ashley Sever, public affairs manager at Jefferson County Public Health, told Washington Examiner in July after another squirrel tested positive. So. Um, humans may be infected with the plague through bites from infected fleas, by the cough from an infected animal, or by direct contact, you know, through a bite or such, uh, or with blood or tissues of infected animals. So, you know, um, for those that are inclined to hunt squirrel and eat them, you might want to lay off of that for a while. Um, you know, at least during the summer months, the county, uh, Warned in an advisory at the time, adding, pet owners who suspect their pets are ill should consult a veterinarian. 
All pet owners who live close to wild animal populations, such as prairie dog colonies or other known wildlife habitats, should consult their veterinarian about flea control for their pets to help prevent the transfer of fleas to humans and negate the, uh, you know, contracting the plague and suffering the Black Death. So, um, yeah, you you wouldn't want to get it. So, let's let's try to keep the so, uh, <laughs> uh, to keep, which, try to which, keep them on a leash, should we? Which <laughs> which plague is this we're talking about? I mean, I, I was waiting the plague. for plague. I mean, the plague. The plague. You know. Well, the there plague. was the bubonic plague. The um, um, gee, now I can't think of the other. I think plague. it's the bubonic plague, actually. Don't okay. We? Yeah. Did I say so, bluebonic? Uh, blueberry plague. I'm Did I say? Sure. I, I don't know. Bubonic. Uh, that was in a, uh, <laughs> on the internet. Not everything you know, on the internet is true. Huh? Being from Texas, I never saw a prairie dog except at the zoo. Well, uh, you know, it's been reported. Um, that uh, I've seen prairie dogs when I lived in Wyoming. Oh, okay. Prairie dogs. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, that's about and all I had in I Wyoming. That, you know, little did I know that you could get the plague from them. So, <laughs> oh, uh, I'm glad I didn't go out there. You know, prairie dog. Keeping one in my room or something. Uh, we have lots of chipmunks here in Georgia. Uh, I've. Uh, I don't know if they carry the plague. They're too quick. Yeah, the plague can't catch up with them. They they dart in and out, avoiding the hawks. Yeah. Hmm. Well, okay. I thought y'all might enjoy that. Uh, another public service message from your friends I mean, at Tristar. Have you noticed that most of the stories that we do about Colorado are negative? <laughs> I'm some... sorry, Jessica. I don't intend for it to be that way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, California I really and Colorado, we, when do we ever say anything nice about I, I mean, say lots of nice things about Colorado. Colorado's a beautiful state, but yeah, it is very beautiful. Um, I don't know. The, you know, the inhabitants are very nice. So just uh, yeah, some of the furry ones carry the and, plague, and, and they're very mellow people, especially yes, now. Yes, very, very. <laughs> yeah, I think the squirrel's name that tested positive was Alvin. Um, Alvin, I'd look into that BP, but I'll, I, you know, may, I think that may be so. <sighs> okay. Well, if um, my next, my last little uh, ditty here is um, about California. Imagine that. Mm. And if you're in California, this may be good news. If you're uh, college bound, this is from the Epic Times as well by Ivan Pinchikov. You pinch, pinch Indeed. off something, pinch off. Yeah, pinch a loaf. Um, <laughs> pinch. I, I'd, <laughs> surely somebody would change their name if that's what it was. <laughs> uh, the title is University of California System Will No Longer Consider SAT or ACT Scores for Admissions. So you can be an idiot and still get in <laughs> to the University of California. Oh, wow. You won't. <laughs> just if you graduated from high school you don't have to take these tests or they don't use them well you know I, now is this was make sure that we're clear not everybody who did not graduate from high school some of them are geniuses uh, that just didn't move on any further so well that's true some people quit in the seventh grade and uh that's right gone on what to do third? wonderful things but uh, you know in, in the context of you know uh you know, I mean, when I was in high school, we had to take 
the SAT, and um, it was rather grueling for some of us, but, you know, I'm sure other people pass it with flying colors. But this story says the nine campuses of the University of California system will no longer consider standardized testing scores as part of the admissions process beginning this fall. The change is the results of a legal settlement of a lawsuit brought by groups that claim that the traditional SAT and ACT tests are, guess it, can you say it? You know what I'm going to say? Say it. Racist. Mm. Those tests are racist. Under the settlement, the university, which enrolls some 225,000 undergraduate students, said it won't consider SAT or ACT scores sent along with admissions applications until 2025. The university further stated that it had no current plan to consider the scores after 2025. So why even put 2025 in there? The settlement uh, specifies that the university can still use the SAT and ACT scores to determine course placement after the students are accepted, but the nine campuses will no longer use the test scores to determine how to award scholarships. The lawsuit was filed against the university on December the 10th of 2019 by several student groups, including Chinese for Affirmative Action, College Access Plan, College Seekers, Community Coalition, Dolores Huerta Foundation, and Little Manila Rising. That was a group. The Compton Unified School District filed a number of lawsuits on that same day. The two cases were uh, subsequent, subsequently merged. The original complaints claim that SAT and ACT tests serve as a metric of wealth and race rather than a, a predictor of college success. The mere presence of the discriminatory metric of SAT and ACT scores in the UC admissions process precludes admission officers from according proper weight to meaningful criteria such as academic achievement and personal qualities and requires them instead to consider criteria that act as a proxy for wealth and race thus concentrate privilege on UC campuses. On August the 31st, first, first, 2021, first, we're just the later it gets, the worse. Uh, the Supreme Court of the state of California, County of Alameda, ordered the university to stop using the test results for admissions or scholarship decisions while the lawsuit was pending. So they haven't been able to use it for over a year, almost a year. The university appealed the decision and the appeal remains unresolved. As part of the settlement, the University of California system will pay $1.25 million in attorney fees to the lawyers who represented the plaintiffs. Well, some lawyers are happy. College Board, the developer of the SAT test and ACT, both told the Epic Times that the racial disparities in test scores aren't a function, function of the test <laughs> themselves. Oh, good Lord. It's a family show. Okay. Oh, I need a little water here. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Uh, Mr. Producer, Mercy. let's go ahead and put that uh, word up there in the Webster's as well. 
Um, <laughs> where was I? Uh, the, uh, aren't a function of the test themselves, but rather a symptom of broader educational issues. Oh, gosh. The SAT itself is not a racist instrument. Every question is rigorously reviewed for evidence of bias, and any question that could favor one group over another is discarded. College Board told the Epic Times, today's SAT is an achievement test that measures what is taught in school and what students need to know to be prepared for college. Performance differences across groups of students reflect an unequal K-12 through system. That's why the SAT should be considered in the context of where students live and go to school. And an SAT score should never be a veto on a student. As always, we support institutional autonomy to make the difficult decisions that ultimately benefit individual systems, schools, and their students. ACT told the Epic Times, that said, we work diligently to ensure the ACT is not biased against any group of students and research consistently research research consistently shows that test scores are a valid predictor of college success overall and in particular for students from underserved backgrounds. Current score gaps between groups are unacceptable, though these gaps are not caused by the test act is committed to joining forces with those who seek transformative change to achieve equitable learning outcomes for all students. SAT and ACT scores have been a mainstay for college admissions for decades. Opponents of the test used for admissions argue that students of certain races score lower on average than other races. Proponents say standardized tests offer an equal playing field since all students take the same test. So basically they're saying it's the problem is not in the test. The problem is what the students are learning in K through 12. So might be just a little easier to get into college in California here. Uh, as I guess as of now. Well, there, anybody there thinking about going there to, uh, <laughs> because everybody's moving out of California. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's that's true, and yeah. unfortunately, they're moving to Texas. Uh, well, be be careful with your functional BP. Um, you know, you mentioned the Space Force earlier, and I was a little worried, but you, it was a different article. So CBS News, um, as I hate to use them, but. William Harwood uh, wrote an article that Space Force launches a missile warning satellite. Um, so Space Force has been very active in the news. A United Launch Alliance um, Atlas V rocket blasted off from Cape Canaveral on Tuesday, boosting a million-dollar missile early warning satellite into orbit to scan the Earth below for a telltale heat generated by a threatening rocket launch. Once operational, after tests and checkout, the new satellite will join four other space-based infrared systems, or the SBIRS. Oh, that sounds deadly. Spacecraft already in orbit, uh, 22,300 miles above the equator. They use telescopes and state-of-the-art infrared sensors to provide early warning of unusual heat signatures. Well, make sure to point that thing in the right direction. 
The need for SBIRS systems has never been more critical, said Tom McCormick. Love your spices. Vice President of Satellite Builder Lockheed Martin's Overhead Persistent Infrared Missions Division. That's a long one. Um, The threat of ballistic missile technology is spreading around the world. Adversaries who we once held at geographic's arm length now tout their development of this technology. For early missile warning, SBIRS infrared detection capability serve as a tip of the spear, if you will, or a bell ringer, or a, you know, we used to call a humdinger, that a <laughs> launch has occurred and something is coming. Um, SBIRS data informs many of our country's other defense systems, which together form a protective missile kill chain to defund our nation or defend our nation from defunding um, and our armed <laughs> forces running a day late because of trouble with a launch pad system. The SBRRS Geo 5 mission got underway at 1.37 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time when the Atlas V's Russian-built RD-180 main engine ignited. Oh, whoa, so we're, getting, we're farming this out to Russia. That's great. Um, and this was followed by two strap-on solid fuel boosters. Buster, <laughs> you know what a booster is, Donald Wayne? Uh, well, you not in that context. On. Yeah, well, you got to strap those bad boys on. Um, <laughs> so the 197-foot tall rocket tipping the scales at 950,000 pounds at liftoff majestically climbed away from Pad 41 at the Cape Canaveral Space Force Station atop a plume of brilliant exhaust. Um, I mean, have you ever heard that before? Tipping over and arcing to the east over the Atlantic Ocean through a cloudless blue sky. What a, I mean, just paints a vivid picture there. Um, uh, Kudos to him. It was a... It was the second launch from the Cape Canaveral Space Force Station under the auspices of Space Launch Delta 45, formerly the 45th Space Wing, as the transition from Air Force to Space Force continues. About 43 minutes after liftoff, two firings of the Aerojet Rocketdyne engine powering the Atlas V's Centaur second stage the SBIRS Geo 5 satellite was released from its strappings to fly on its own and be free in an initially elliptical orbit with a high point of about 21,800 miles and a low point of 565 miles. Over several weeks, the onboard thrusters will be used to circularize the orbit at an altitude of 22,300 miles above the equator, putting the satellite in a geosynchronous orbit where spacecraft take 24 hours to complete one trip around the planet and thus remain positioned over the same region. I think they can do that in five hours around Uranus. But the SBIRS Geo-5 satellite is the first military spacecraft built around Lockheed Martin's modernized LM-21 chassis, an in-house project to provide greater resiliency and cyber hardening. Um, That sounds a little dirty (laughs) there, boys. You might want to get a different description. Uh, Enhanced spacecraft power 
propulsion and electronics, McCormick said. Um, great nutmeg. Um, the SBIRS system incorporates data from the older defense support program or the DSP. Early warning satellites along with standalone infrared sensors mounted on other classified military satellites in lower elliptical orbits. He said, look, you know, listen, missiles as they fly create a heat signature. And certainly our adversaries are moving to make that heat signature smaller and smaller. And we are moving to maintain a capability to detect those as we move forward. Colonel Dennis Bythewood said, uh, then director of the remote sensing systems at Los Angeles Air Force Base, told reporters, the missile warning constellation comprised of both the Defense Support Program and the SBRS satellites provides that initial warning to our nation's leaders. So whether there's be an actual launch or a false indication of a launch, the missile warning architecture is there to provide the true data that allows us to understand what actually happened. Uh, well, God bless you, man. And uh, thank you for your service. So, and, um, yeah, that's the old uh, Space Force launch. All kinds of stuff with Space Force here lately. Yeah, that's getting all kinds of attention. Yeah, lots of money for a strap-on rocket. I mean, geez, well, let's get some zip ties. I, I mean- We'll see how many yeah. times you can use that phrase. I'm going to try and use it one sentence. more. <laughs> you, you left out thrust. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, you just wait till football season, folks. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, we, yes. We're, we're just, I can't wait. It's can't terrible wait. during football season. So we can <laughs> be you, commentators did for you a see game. The, Oh boy, did you see that penetration there, Mike? I mean, my goodness. Um, Jeez. All righty then. Well, we've got about about, uh, ten and a half minutes left here on the old ticker. If you want to um, do do the um, stuff stuff, and then maybe we can squeeze in that one little. Oh, yeah tidbit uh, uh okay. you know just to get you to give put you in the mood oh i like it uh, okay so breathe <laughs> listen to the sound of my voice sucking all the air out of the room uh, close your eyes no it's not a kitten It's not a a kitten. Is that what you said? The roughness of my unshaven face. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now we have nine and a half minutes. Oh, my gosh. Um, So, uh, (laughs) yes, if you're of a mind to Twitter us, I wish you would. And do that at Trice Talk WG Moon. Let us know how you like this calming effect <laughs> that we've added here at the end. Um, and then, you know, if you want to give us suggestions about shows you'd like to hear us or uh, hear us do or uh, music you'd like to have us play or just send us a picture of uh, your latest activities, do that at <laughs> Trice Talk 69 PTS at gmail.com. And remember, to keep it as clean as you I'm, can. I see trouble. Uh, <laughs> you can also reach us on 
um, Spotify at Tristalk, uh, Amazon Music at Tristalk, um, and we are on iHeartRadio at Tristalk, Pandora at Tristalk, LinkedIn at Tristalk, Listen Notes at Tristalk, and Player FM at Tristalk. And we would really encourage you to follow us on Facebook um, at Tristalk as you will see updates on new shows postings of the shows we've already done and a lot of the articles that we use along with some funny pics. Um, so yeah, follow us everywhere for good news. Well, thanks slightly. Thank you. Thank you slightly. Um, so, you know, all right. That's, uh, that's so spiel. maybe we shouldn't do the whole thing. Maybe we should just, Maybe we should just give a little tip of the iceberg. Yeah, let's. How about we just say, um, let's say we're, let's say, how about Thursday show is being moved to Friday? Oh, you don't you don't you know uh, for a special, special edition of Tristalk. Oh, a Thursday Friday swap for a special edition. You say, Donald Wayne of Tristalk. Oh my! Yeah. Oh my! What you, could there be? You got those sumo uniforms uh, outfit. I mean, I've only got the piece that I can't show. <laughs> um, okay. Well, so <laughs> I think they call it a candy wrapper. Um. <laughs> so what you're saying is we'll have the remainder of this information will be released tomorrow, Donald Wayne. Yes, on Wacky Wednesday we'll talk so about. More oh. details of wow. what's going to happen on wow. Friday. Wow, Friday. El Gato, you came in just in time. You can be a part of the secret release party tomorrow on Wacky Wednesday. Yeah. What could it be? A new goat for the high grass in the backyard? You have high grass? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes or your grass is high. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this, Colorado grass. This isn't Colorado. This, uh, <laughs> this is not Rocky Mountain High. We just, oh, but yeah. Boy. So we'll 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 give the full details tomorrow night on uh, Wacky yes. Wednesday. But yes. just keep in mind, Thursday's going to be moved to Friday just this week, um, and uh, we'll be doing something special on Friday. Something very special. Uh, it, it won't You'll involve any tomorrow. Any violence or <laughs> yeah, no animals have been hurt about the planning for what we're going to do. So yes, yes, yep. um, just put that out there. All right. Um, so let me throw the. Uh, let's see. Did you finish everything? I don't. I don't even know where we're at now. I, I mean, where? Who am I? Um, okay. Yeah. No, I did. I did actually. You did. Okay. All right. Well, we appreciate everybody joining us tonight and uh, yes. look forward yes. to uh, maybe y'all slipping in here tomorrow night and find out <laughs> what's going to happen to the Tristalk boys. Shh. Boys. <laughs> boy. Who are you, Who are you calling, calling boys? Boy? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That'll, that'll, the full detail, full exposure tomorrow night, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. This is a full release party. I'll let you do the full exposure <laughs> and I'll just stand there and giggle. Um, oh, boy. So the closing thought for tonight is from Eleanor Roosevelt. She said, in the long run, we shape our lives and we shape ourselves. 
the process never ends until we die. And the choices we make are ultimately our own responsibility. And that's from Lady Eleanor. All right. So, um, Dennis Lee, did you have anything to add to that while I switch over from this meditation music that we're listening uh, no, to? Uh, look, you know, we, we, we love y'all. We appreciate you. We're here every uh, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9.30 in the p.m. in the Eastern Time Zone. And, um, you know. Except for this Friday. Except for this Friday, Thursday, Friday swap. But um, And then uh, Tall Tales is coming up with a new schedule, and I'll get back to you soon on that. But uh, <laughs> we appreciate you. We love you, and we couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, thanks for being with us tonight. All right, Dennis Lee. I guess if you won't grab that switch, I'm going to grab the lights. Y'all have a good night now. Stay safe, everybody.